On this edition of the program, we break down all of the memory issues for Joe Biden from the her report to the press conference, everything in between a little bit of NY three and Nikki Haley with our friend Evan Scrimshaw. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, V, and Craig. Initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. Now, geography buffs might have noticed (laughs) Gaza and Mexico do not share a border. (laughs) That Biden was referring to Sisi, the president of Egypt, not Mexico. Unless it was even worse than that, and he thinks the president of Mexico is named C. C. That was John Stewart making his triumphant return to The Daily Show on Monday. And he had plenty to talk about. Specifically, a frantic 72 hours of Democratic Party chaos revolving around a problem that they all knew was coming and are girding themselves for another nine months of. Joe Biden's age. First, on Thursday, like only hours after we did our interview with Bill Scher, by the way, uh, frustrated. A report by special counsel, her, related to Joe Biden's handling of confidential documents. While Biden was not charged, the reasoning for him not being charged was because the special counsel did not believe that they could secure a conviction. And the reason why is because Joe Biden, well, has a bit of a memory problem, at least according to the special counsel. Joe Biden forgot dates like when he was the vice president and even, damningly, when Biden's own son, Bo, died. This resulted in a hastily called press conference where Joe Biden addressed the media And, as you heard in the intro, confused the president of Egypt for the president of Mexico. By the way, this came at the end of a week in which he told the same story at campaign events twice, and in each time, impressively, replaced the heads of state for Germany and France with two dead heads of state, Francois Mitterrand, and Helmut Kohl. And with that, we began a whole lot of conversation. The Biden 2024 campaign got extraordinarily defensive, and the commentariat class asked the question, can we replace this guy? To talk about all that, the electoral ramifications and The central question of whether or not there is a replacing of Joe Biden, we bring in our friend, our political betting expert, and a a man who knows his way around all of these polls that are coming in right now. That is Mr. Evan Scrimshaw. Welcome back to the show, buddy. 
Thanks for having me, man. I always appreciate doing this. All right. We had uh, one of our other favorite regulars on, on this show, uh, Bill Share of Washington Monthly on, and we were asking then the state of bedwetting in the Democratic Party. And that was before what I, I think can probably be the first big moment of this general election cycle. And that is the special counsel report that says they did not charge Joe Biden because he is a kindly elderly man without a good memory that was backed up by a disastrous press conference where not only did he not seem sharp before, but then he also mistaked for the third time a world leader in uh, the last week. Although this time, at least both of the people were alive uh, compared to the ones before. So you're enmeshed in this. You're watching all these polls come in. There's been some polling since that 48 hours. Has anything materially changed or are these just highlighting things we already knew about this race? They're highlighting things we already knew about this race. The, you know, the best recent morning consult is somehow only a Trump plus one. I only say some somehow because all these morning consult state polls are always, you know, showing Trump winning all the swing states by like five, six, seven. But nothing is materially changing in the national in the national race. Everything is sort of congealing to this point where Biden is, you know, down a point. I think he's down one point two in the RCP average right now. Uh, yep. And he's down, which is like a five and a half point swing from the last election, because don't forget, he won by like four and a half points last time. So, you know, yeah. it's a sizable swing from from last time. You know, a lot of undecideds left, a lot more undecideds than there normally are for, you know, what is a, a rematch election where both sides are running a nominee with, you know, 99 percent name name ID. But yeah. The, I don't think it highlighted anything we don't know. Um, you know, you've you've seen people, uh, you know, on both sides sort of make the point that like Biden, a lot of people think Biden is senile or, you know, sort of losing it. The question is not whether or not Democrats can convince, you know, independents and swing voters that Joe Biden is actually like mentally sharp. It's whether or not that stops voters who voted for uh, him in 2020 and voted for Democrats in 2022 in all these swing states to be like, you know what? I really don't like Donald Trump, but Joe Biden, eh, I don't trust it. But Joe Biden is really, really old and he's asking for quite possibly the most stressful job in the world for four more years. The problem, okay, the problem with all the like people who defend the Biden age stuff is that like I totally think it's wild that America is considering. <laughs> Uh, an 81 year old man to the job yeah like i think it's insane like i i i have mental like i have the same concerns about his you know potential like uh 2027 and 2028 might be really bad if biden wins yes i am yes. a democrat i am a liberal you know i i i i have these concerns too the problem is that you is that the gop are nominating donald trump and there's no available option for Democrats where I can go. Yeah. Okay. Get rid of Biden for X. Cause that's like you, you want to know what I, I, I was thinking about this today. You want to know who nailed it? 
of all people, Saturday Night Live, like a year ago. Did you do you remember that sketch yes, where it was like a haunted actually. house sketch? Yes. Where where and and it, it it was like, well, we can't have Biden, can't have Biden, and then it just went through in these various different spooky horror trope kind of ways. All the other candidates that you know, Beto and Kamala and 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 Hillary, and then eventually they just settle back on Biden. That's kind of where we are because the one thing that has happened throughout the last 72 hours is and and in places like meet the press where you're having Kirsten Welker ask Biden uh, uh, campaign co-chairs, Hey, th- there are reports out there of donors asking when are other people going to get in? And that's always been the biggest question here is it's not that anyone in America by the polling believes that Trump versus Biden is the best matchup. It's just that there is absolutely no consensus on what the alternatives would be. Well, and Kamala Harris, Gretchen Whitmer, Gavin Newsom yeah. all pull worse against Donald Trump than Joe Biden does, which is my like, which is the 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 hardest thing to square with the idea that Biden is pulling badly because of his age. Because if it was just his age. That yeah. was a, a singular drag on on Democrats' ability to win. Then you would think that Kamala Harris would consistently pull ahead of him in every poll released in the last twelve months that tests both those people. Biden does better than Kamala, so that doesn't seem really to sit to suggest that the <laughs> age is the issue, or Biden just picked the worst VP possible. I but mean, Whitmer doesn't there, there do better is, unless it's a poll of Michigan. Newsom has been a historic underperformer anyway, so I don't know why anyone thinks he would be a good solution to this problem. Like, if they're like, like that, this is the problem with the with the get rid of Biden. Because I've got people in my life who are like, "What are Democrats going to get rid of Biden? They absolutely need to get rid of Biden. Yeah. You need to write a column saying they should get rid of Biden." And my response is, <laughs> "Okay, for who? For yeah. who?" I'm, because at I'm, some point, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like the, the I kind of feel like the Democratic Party is a is a good football team with like a mediocre quarterback who's like do something, and they're hoping that they become Tom Brady, the Bucks when Tom Brady shows up, but they could be the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, if the mantra of just do something is what it ends up being. Because what's the better solution? I. So, all right, if if you're if you're in fantasy land, the first big question is that effectively, especially when you have problems with black voting, black turnout right now, according to polling, that that uh, uh, that is a an area of concern for the Democratic coalition. Kamala gets the right of first refusal. So Kamala, on some level would have to be on record saying at the very least we want to have a floor fight at the convention, which I don't think she would ever do. So with that being said, let's say she did. I can't imagine anybody emerging from a gigantic slap fight that will be a real blood and guts affair two months before the election. That's going to create anything better than hold your nose and vote for the corpse. Kamala has to be on the ticket. What would she accept staying as a VP to some other person? No, probably not. She would want to be the, 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 the P doesn't seem like she holds very well. Like a lot of 
governors do well, but I mean, look at what happens when these governors leave their states. There's a reason why, you know, outside of Romney, you know, Bush was the last like governor to be a, a major party nominee. Like governors just don't produce good national candidates anymore. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the argument from the democratic side is that none of these you know, Gretchen Whitmer, like there, there's a, there is a big Whitmer hive online as I'm, I'm sure you're aware. Uh, the argument would be if she gets a national run, there will be more of a, uh, uh, of an audience for her strong woman. She's going to play in the suburbs, which is the big weakness for the Republicans in this cycle. But I don't know. There, there's a lot of hopes and prayers there. <laughs> there's a lot of, we've never seen it before, but then again, we never saw it before with Biden. Biden was the historical loser on a national level before he wasn't. True, but he at least got through and won a contested primary in a way that no one at this point who would be stepping in for him did. They would be completely untested to the media scrutiny level, and they'd be completely untested um at anything regarding the scale and the problem is a great yeah. whitmer who you know has been a great performer in michigan she's gotten to run against two oh bad yeah no, no, the, 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 the michigan gop like, is really a tire fire like they are they are bad right and like so cool she's put up great performances against two like functional yeah. jokes like let's just like like we can't just assume that she would go and do it yeah, I mean, there's 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 a little bit of the, you know, kind of DeSantis arguments against her where it's like, like, OK, well, she overperformed in a place where the opposition party is absolutely unorganized and doesn't have any money. Uh, uh, you should be winning by that. Uh, uh, you know, I think for, for, for DeSantis, he won by big historic margins in one places that normally Republicans don't win no matter what. But still, we saw what happens when he rolled that out nationwide, and it wasn't great. I mean, the other, the my my like main take on this just kind of comes down to the same thing, which is like Biden is call it five points away from the number he needs to win. Like you know, because he, he you know if his problem is really minority voters, then maybe the electoral yeah. college bias comes down a bit. But like, say he needs to recover five points, that happens all the time. Like international elections, you know, I'm going to do my my international elections rant right now. But like, yeah, five point leads get get overturned all the time. It's happened in the last Canadian election and like all of our last provincial elections yeah. and Australia, you know, in the last UK election and New Zealand had a bunch of more than five point polling changes like it happens. I think people are like talking about this like it's some, you know, like like massive hill to climb he needs to overcome like a five point lead with like eight months to go and like 16 percent undecided yeah i all right so so here would be the argument against that and i think the reason why there is a little bit of panic here not a little bit a lot of panic i mean when you have james carville who has been a doomsayer lately but when he's out on television saying it's not going to get any better between now and november this would be the argument number one you're not talking about candidates that have a lot more to teach the American public between now and November. We are very familiar with both of them. Number two, you do have a bunch of fairly big name uh, third party candidates that are going to be out there. In fact, the only Super Bowl ad that I got here in, in Austin, Texas, which I think was nationwide, 
was RFK. Trump didn't buy a Super Bowl ad. Biden didn't buy a Super Bowl ad. They both had ads in 2020. So if if you if you have more of a, a diffuse uh, uh, voting pool and what's going to change with Joe Biden or Donald Trump between now and November, then, yeah, I, I do think that 5% looks like more of a, a high hill to climb. See, I'm going to make the alternative argument, which is that okay. third parties induce variants and... If you're trying to tell me that a five point polling lead is deeply secure and Democrats should do something, um, the existence of RFK Jr. makes it like easier to think that things can change as opposed to it being harder to make things change. I just basically I'm just annoyed by like Nate Silver being, you know, spending, you know, the last decade being like elections are more volatile than we think you should like remember variance is a thing and is now spending his days on twitter arguing that a shadowy cabal of democrats could have stopped joe biden from running for president and it's like buddy everything you have previously said proves you wrong but also b have, have you not read a single piece about joe biden he hate like he's like obama world could have stopped biden from running do you not? Have right. you ever read a piece yeah. of how much he hates Obama world? Yeah. I mean, they passed him over to be president in 2016. Like, this is, this is, this he, is well he known. He literally refuses to do Pod Save America just out of, like, just because of spiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But the, the idea that, you know, if only David Axelrod and Rahm Emanuel sat him down. And explain to him, like, the real politic of this. No. Well, no, by the way, they did. Once. <laughs> they, you, they got one. Right. They told him not to run once, and he didn't, because they weren't going to get the backing. Then he ran against Bernie Sanders. That was the salve that that got him over the hump. They were able to create the centrist Voltron and stop the Bernie candidacy. That's enough to launch him in. COVID, COVID happens, bada bing, bada boom, all of a sudden he's president. There was, I mean... the. I don't know. I mean, to be totally honest, I, I I didn't even expect this interview to go as far down the like the do something rabbit hole. I there, there was a, a Jonathan Martin of Politico uh, piece today that kind of lays out the same arguments that we're making right now. Uh, that there is no smoky back room in the way that there was in the 1960s. The the 1960s smoky back room was there to untangle floor fights at contested conventions. That's what the power of it uh, of of the party was at that point. If we still had parties that were strong enough to knock candidates out, strident candidates out, then Donald Trump would never have been president. Because I was at that RNC, and I can tell you, to a man and woman, nobody I talked to that wasn't there as a delegate, that was there as a party operative, wanted that man to be the the nominee of their party. That it was described to me far more as it being a funeral than a celebration when I was there. Uh, there's nobody here that's going to take out an incumbent president unless Biden wanted to walk off the stage, which I don't think there's anything about the DNA of Joe Biden that says he wants to do it. And it would be another thing if his vice president was popular. Normally, the backup quarterback's the most popular person on the, in, 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 in town, and Kamala just ain't that. Like I like I am one of the few people who actually genuinely likes Kamala Harris. Like I like 
But Scrim confirmed K Hive. But she is like my specific brand of like sort of like right in my ideological sweet spot in the party and has like my music taste and my sort of like cultural <laughs> sort of like late 70s, like late 60s, early 70s, like, you know, really knows for Stevie Wonder. So like, sure. you know, I like her. I can look at polls. I am not like, you know, I am not going to pretend that my that my liking her means that she is somehow popular. And this is the thing that gets me. Is that like, yeah, all of the people who are like, oh, what if what, you know, what if we did this? It's like, cool. It's not going to happen. Like at some point you have to live in reality. And yeah, all of this like time and effort being spent on this is just like, cool. So it's time that cannot be spent on advocating for a Biden reelect, right? All of the teeth gnashing, all the TV appearances that these Democratic surrogates do you don't get to talk about the reelect because we're giving quotes to places about Biden's mental fitness. Like I, I pulled up the New York times app last night looking for something. else, Yeah. And like first, like four of the first six stories were about his age. Like Democrats just have to stop engaging with this, with this topic. Like you just, you, well, I mean, you, I, you, the, you the way, the way they handled this, the way they handled this, I thought was on Mars. I have no idea why. Look, you won. This reminds me of the same stuff that happened with the, the the Hillary Comey thing. You won. You didn't win the way you wanted, but you won. You're not going to get charged. You can draw the line. You can say, I didn't get charged. Donald Trump got charged in, in Biden's case. Did it happen with exactly the way you wanted? No. But guess what? You can either highlight the thing that is advantageous to you and move on with everything else or you can now spend over 72 hours making the cycle about how you're mad. They deployed the full battery of surrogates onto the Sunday shows this week to argue about whether or not the special counsel was uh, uh, mean, was, was out of pocket. This does nothing to move forward the idea that you believe in justice, whether or not it's good for you. And Donald Trump wants to weaponize the justice department. This only highlights the fact that people are going to think about the one thing that is obviously true, that he's not as sharp as he was in the past. I, I, I have no idea why they have engaged with this kind of petty fight. And it makes me wonder about the, the the capacity of the campaign going forward. To me, that's the biggest takeaway here is when you hit a pothole like this, and this to me, it wasn't even a pothole. This was a win. Come out and say, yes, this underscores the idea that we didn't get charged. Donald Trump got charged. He's unfit. We're fit. Moving on. Let the Republicans, let let, let the right wing machine scream and yell about kindly old man. That's fine. But if you're if you're giving voice to it, this is oxygen that you are feeding into the room. And of course, like every Republican, like like all of the details of like meetings with Republicans from Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy or whatever, have always said that Joe Biden is sharp, right? Like they have never we we haven't come out of an Oval Office meeting with you know these Republican leaders and been like, uh, Joe didn't know what he was talking about. Just put out a press release. Just put out a press release, basically pointing that out. Saying yeah. you disagree with his findings on that, but you agree, but you are happy that he did not charge you because Joe Biden did not commit a crime. Cool. Move on. The problem is it became a four day fight going into the Super Bowl weekend. And I like. It's just like you It literally it came out what Wednesday, Thursday before Super Bowl weekend. 
Yeah. You literally the, the Thursday could be dead by now. Yes. Curry could could have died because no one really cared, right? I mean, like, if he if he would have done the Super Bowl interview, which is the biggest layup of all time. You're telling me that you got a 20 minute interview, which we now know with the largest television audience of all time. And you're going to probably spend half the interview talking about Taylor and Travis. And you're going to tell a story about how you first met Jill and you knew that she was the one immediately. This is the kind of grandfatherly stuff that you want out of Joe Biden that you desperately want out of Joe Biden. This could be over. And and look, send one person out there that's going to say, look, Joe Biden's too classy for this, but I'll say it. The special counsel is a total POS for assuming that he doesn't know when his son died. He knows exactly when his son died, blah, blah, blah. Send one person and, and they're going to go rogue do it. Don't have your co-chair do it. Don't have Chris Murphy do it. And, and certainly don't have Joe Biden do it, which they had him do or that he did that night, immediately making it a gigantic story. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was that. Like, I just don't like. I mean, I don't think his staff wanted him to do that press conference. I think that's been pretty well reported at this point. But like, yeah, I think I think the special counsel is. I don't think it's going to matter that much. I don't think what I don't think what he wrote is going to be a thing that moves any votes in November. I think the fact that his campaign does not seem to have an answer on this that doesn't accept where the voters are which is to say that everyone knows that he is not as sharp as he was you need an answer that works from the place where people are that still advocates yeah. for your re-election right the answer to this is not to say joe biden is actually just as sharp as he was in 1988 <laughs> or whatever it is to yeah. accept the argument and to say joe biden is still joe biden you know can still do the job he is still fit and he's not a uh, you know four times i was trying to do like thrice but i don't know what that is for four yeah uh he is not a quad uh indicted uh you know criminal who's gonna spend his entire year on trial he didn't you know overturn your uh, woman's right to choose and he didn't you know ferment an insurrection and he doesn't want to you know let russia invade eastern europe like you need to move on from the age thing to get to your actual argument because we know that voters do not like Donald Trump and we know that voters are ready to hear an argument against him because this argument just somehow elected Democrats a one uh, a one seat increase in their majority less than two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, the more the more we talk about it, that, that that's, I think, the, the biggest worrying sign for me is that I, I tend to, especially for presidential campaigns, as we are in, you know, go time here, I, I tend to judge campaigns very specifically by how they react to kind of these crisis events. Great campaigns react really well to them. Bad campaigns wind up getting stuck in them. And this is an example of them just absolutely getting stuck in it. I, I, I can't, they, they seem to Biden 24 is running a very conservative strategy that now the argument is, well, we have to get Biden out there more, but you've already framed the argument as let's count every time that Biden stumbles. Um, and I think that's, if this election is about Joe Biden, he's going to lose. It has to be about Donald Trump for them to win. Right. And like 
the I mean, we know that running against Donald Trump has been an effective message for Democrats. We know running against the the Dobbs decision, running against January 6th. Yeah. We know that it has worked in Georgia and Arizona and uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania and, you know, even Tony, uh, Tony Evers won in Wisconsin. Like, we know that the swing states are ready for this argument, but the Biden campaign refuses to to move on to an argument that we know works and it's yeah. like I, I Biden is is a constraint he's there whether you like it or not yeah move on figure out how to win <laughs> with the guy you have instead of spending so much goddamn time on a thing that you don't because the only way that a five-point deficit or a five-point hill you have to over you know overcome becomes unmanageable is by refusing to live in reality. That's what makes a five-point lead irreversible. This is your update, brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. You can uh, support everything that we do here. You can get our $3 club bonus episodes every Sunday, every Thursday. That is all the late breaking news and stuff that we miss in our schedule. Look, in our last episode, which is recorded Thursday, comes out Friday, but we missed the Biden stuff. We missed the the her report. Well, the $3 club got all the reaction from the Sunday shows on our Sunday, Sunday, Sunday episode that comes out Monday. Oh boy. It's a good time. It's a good time to have the Patreon access. So head on over there. Take politics seriously. Dot com. Here's a look at some of the stuff that is not related directly to Joe Biden's electoral chances at reelection. The U.S. Senate passed a ninety five billion dollar aid package for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan, which has caused a rift amongst Republicans. The division stems from conservative demands to link the aid to enhance border security, although a bipartisan bill was rejected after being negotiated by Lankford of Arizona, which had border stuff put in it. That was rejected, and so the straight-line bill was passed this morning, uh, this morning being Wednesday morning. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell secured enough Democratic support to get that done. Former President Donald Trump and House Speaker Mike Johnson opposed the bill, criticizing its lack of border security. Johnson suggests that the House may pursue a different approach, reflecting the Republican Party's internal divisions and limited support for Ukraine aid specifically in the House. These divisions could lead to an altered bill or, most likely, deadlock. Some Republican uh, Republicans propose reducing the economic aid to Ukraine while maintaining military support, and there's interest in converting the foreign aid into loans. Importantly, most of the $95 billion would not be sent overseas. It would be to fund the military-industrial complex so we could send other things to Ukraine. Efforts by President Biden or the Senate to pressure the House, of course, come with their own risks. Public pressure can sometimes strengthen opposition, and obviously... McConnell and Biden are not exactly the kind of fair dealers that the opposition in the House would want to see be seen negotiating with. 
The Republican Party, of course, faces complex dynamics with Johnson's indecisiveness and slow decision-making increasingly under scrutiny with a very, very thin majority for the record. He has pressured to act quickly as some Republicans might join Democrats in pushing that the bill be forward if a viable plan is not presented. Everybody's got something to say about a thing not happening. It is much harder to have everybody agree, especially in our modern world, on something happening. We're in a world where, as we're going to discuss with uh, Scrimshaw a little bit later, Lindsey Graham voted against this bill in the Senate. So, I still think it's an uphill climb for anything to get done. Because if Johnson puts this to a vote, I don't think he's speaker within a week. Fulton County Judge Scott McAfee, overseeing former President Donald Trump's Georgia election interference case, indicated a potential disqualification of District Attorney Fonnie Willis if proven that she financially benefited from her alleged personal relationship with prosecutor Nathan Wade. This controversy arose during a hearing to decide if Willis, Wade, and others must testify on Thursday of this week about these allegations. Michael Roman, Trump's co-defendant, has accused Willis of a romantic relationship with Wade, leading to financial gain for both. Willis admitted to the relationship but has denied any financial conflict of interest. Judge McAfee emphasized the need for an evidentiary hearing to establish facts regarding the alleged financial benefits from this relationship. He noted that disqualification depends on proving an actual conflict or its appearance. The judge also heightened the significance of understanding the relationship's nature, formation time, and any personal benefits involved. Despite attempts by Willis and Wade to cancel the Thursday hearings and quash the subpoenas, McAfee seemed inclined to allow some testimony. He stated the need for live testimony and cross-examination to reach a decision. Fulton County Prosecutor Anna Cross argued against the defense's quote-unquote wild speculation, stating any travel costs between Wade and Willis were split evenly, refuting financial conflict claims. In response, Roman's attorney insisted on the relevance of testimonies, especially from Willis Wade and the case's allegations. So this centers around the idea that the district attorney, Fawny Willis, hired who we now all have admitted is her boyfriend. The question is when they became boyfriend and girlfriend and specifically when they took trips together and whether or not that was after Willis paid him more than what is average for the job that he has. That, those are the allegations. We will see whether or not that affects not only the existence of whether or not this trial is going to happen, because Fonnie Willis went out of her way to bring this case in Fulton County. If it's dismissed here, if she can't bring it here in Fulton County, then theoretically another county in Georgia could bring it, but that seems unlikely. And then regardless of either side, you know, yeah, we've got nine months until the election, but clock is ticking when it comes to a, a case like this, especially a RICO case. Ask Young Thug. Like, uh, he's currently in the middle of a RICO case brought by Fonnie Willis. It didn't go fast. 
And I think that there's a real question here with any and all of these criminal cases from Donald Trump on whether or not any of them are going to wrap up before Election Day, let alone get the sentencing. And finally, the Labor Department revealed a 3.1% rise in the consumer price index in January. That is a decrease from December, but above economist predictions. The persistent inflation, particularly in housing costs, pose a political challenge for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., especially with the 2024 election in focus. Despite a stronger U.S. economy and reduced recession forecast, the inflation outpacing wage growth is a problem. E.J. Anodi of the Heritage Foundation highlighted the lag in wages catching up with inflation as a key public concern. The latest inflation data suggests the Federal Reserve might delay interest rates cuts, a decision anticipated by Wall Street and now possibly postponed. This sent stocks downward on Tuesday. While broad-based deflation is unlikely before the election, the gradual disinflation is in, uh, expected. The majority of economists predict the CPI to remain above 2.5 throughout the year's end, but consumer perceptions of inflation, heavily influenced by gasoline and grocery prices, will play a significant role of shaping public opinion. Long-term inflation outlook hinges on structural factors like housing costs and service prices linked to wages. No surprise there. The uh, issue of inflation, key to this and any election. That's it for our update. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go to get on our Patreon. Get two bonus episodes each and every week for only $3 a week. Less than a cup of coffee, friends. And now, now's the time you want it. Let's get back to script. We saw this thing with like with like the border bill, right? Where uh, you know the border stuff gets tacked on to the foreign aid, uh, the Republicans spike it, and and then you know there was stuff the last week where it's like, oh well, people uh, according to polling, people blame Biden more than Trump for the border stuff not passing, and Democrats are upset about it. It's like I can't even count how lost you are if you're worried about that. Number one, yeah, the buck stops with you. You're the president. Things pass or they don't pass because you are in charge and you control uh, the presidency and the Senate. And number two, why are you worrying about the border? (laughs) Like you're not, if we're talking about the border, you're going to lose. You are not going to own the border argument at all, ever. This is, if you win the presidency, you will win in spite of the border and crime. You will win because of issues that the swing states care more about than those issues. It will be Dobbs. It will be democracy. It will be these things that have won consistently consistently over the last few years. If you're chasing being on the right side of the border, come on, man. What are we doing? The way, the way that you win elections is not by doing slightly better on the other side's issue profile. It's by no. changing the issue profile to something that's more favorable to you. This is yeah. this is like fairly consistent sort of like smart campaign stuff, which is you make the campaign about the thing that you want to be campaigning about instead of because if you are letting them dictate the agenda and the message, you're going to lose. It's consistent. That that's how you do it. Like the. And the thing is, is that like, you know, if you look at the swing state polls and you mostly ignore it like you have to ignore the morning console bloomberg stuff 
for this point to be true. But Biden is doing better in most swing state polling. Not so much in Georgia, but in, you know, certainly in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, he's doing very well in state specific polling. So clearly, yeah, like there is some signal there that Biden will do relatively better in those two states than he does nationally. Okay. Arizona doesn't seem like that would be like the hardest lift for him to win that. Like there is a path, even if we think, you know, Michigan's going to be wonky because of, you know, Gaza and, you know, some of this reporting that Georgia is not, you know, going well for them. Although I think that's just the black community is not activated yet. And they've got nine months to activate the black community there. But like, there's still like there, there's a very like easy path here. There's a path here that that requires, you know, massaging. Obviously, I'm not saying he would. Yeah. Like, if, the, if an election was today, Joe Biden would lose. I'm not denying that fact. But like, there's a fairly you know easy path here. You know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona. That's an electoral college majority. Even if you lose Nevada, Michigan, and Georgia, you know doesn't feel like that path is very hard, but it also doesn't feel like the Biden campaign is doing things to really strengthen and optimize that path. And if this isn't going to be when they start to dig their heels in, uh, can we start soon, please? Yeah, that's that's the, the, the big question for me is this feels and this is part of my my priors of reading books about the 2020 race, but the argument with the 2020 race was Biden has a very insulated core and the more pressure that comes on, the more he only listens to less and less people. And, you know, there was a a lot of hand wringing about the, the basement campaign, but it wound up paying off for him. The, the question now is, is that circle going to get tighter sooner and are you not going to see a very dynamic or well-run campaign? And right now I don't see a dynamic or well-run campaign. Doesn't mean it can't come along. Doesn't mean that it can't get, get, get fired up. But every day that Joe Biden is not talking about trigger laws in uh, red States or even just anywhere, any trigger law, any Dobbs trigger law that that the, even the people who passed it didn't think would ever become real, pointing out every horrifying element of of those. The, every day he's not doing that is a day I don't think he is seriously seeking the reelection of the presidency of the United States. So the the really funny thing, you know, is that Joe Biden has Democratic presidents in or Democratic governors in. Like, if you think about the big six swing states, yeah. yes, Democratic governors in four of them. Mm-hmm. That one, that's just not usually how it is, because usually all those governors get, you know, beaten uh, in your midterm. But you've got Democratic governors in Arizona and Wisconsin, both of them that have fairly draconian uh, abortion laws on the books that the governors oppose mm-hmm. that are trying to get rid of. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Whitmer, who just got rid of a very draconian thing. You think you couldn't get the three of them together to help you out a little bit? Think you can get Josh yeah. Shapiro to, to to help out too? Like there are ways that you can use the fact that you have the governors in these places to sort of 
raise the issue profile. And then you have Joe Biden fly out to Arizona for a joint press conference on. Yeah. Protecting women's reproductive future. And I don't know, Katie Hobbs size executive order or something, you know, like there are ways that you can use the fact that you have the governor's mansion in some of these states. Yeah. Use that to your advantage. Let them help you set the media agenda. Fly up I, I also, to fly up to Wisconsin whenever there's a court challenge there on their abortion law. You know, first day of oral arguments. Have him fly up, have him and Tony Evers do a press conference in front of the state Supreme Court. Do stuff. I I also just think that there needs to be a more realistic strategy from them. And I've said this before on the show, but if your entire strategy is restore Roe, and I think, and and I'll I'll get your opinion on this, but when I look at the map this year, uh, I think that there's a, a high likelihood that even if Joe Biden wins, the Democrats lose the Senate because of the the map that they're facing. Uh, I I think it would be highly unlikely that they would get you know uh, ten or eleven seats, even nine seats in in the midterms after that, the final midterm for a two term president. I just don't think it's realistic. I, 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 and, and at a certain point when you're talking about something that is literally life or death for people, I, I do need you. You have to give them something more than vote now, then in two years, vote harder. Right. And like Democrats are going to lose the Senate this year. Like, let's just like, yeah, there, there's no, there's like, yeah, they've got no, they've got a 50% chance. Yeah. No, like Tester's going to, Tester's going to lose. Manchin's going to lose. As much as I would love to be able to say that I think this will go the other way, Ted Cruz will win. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, if all three of those things happen, you have lost the Senate. Like, there's no, there's no point. Especially because you already have, you already have, West Virginia's gone, right? Yeah, exactly. so, so start off with that, right? And so also now you're already at 50 50. could lose. I have him losing, but like, even, you don't yeah. even need him at this point to declare. And also, it. the map's going to be spread. Right. But yep. we're going to have where there's a lot of money going a lot of places. And with Larry Hogan on the map, I don't know if Larry Hogan's going to win, but now you have to spend money in Maryland, especially if polls start getting scary there. Yeah. Although, I mean, if you're a Democrat, you, you kind of just hopefully you just hope that David Trone is the nominee and then he can spend all of his own money. But <laughs> no, I legitimately think he is going to win. I legitimately think he's going to win that primary now just because Democrats are like, actually, you know, you can self-fund your way to a general election win and we don't have to worry about Larry Hogan. Um, but yeah, no, the Democrats aren't winning the Senate. They need an answer on abortion that isn't just the Republicans are mean. Kinda, yeah. The, the other problem is, let's just be completely honest here, right? If you quote unquote codified row, this Supreme Court would knock that down as a 10th Amendment violation in two tenths of a second. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if it passed in a fantasy world where it passed the Senate, um, you know, well, I, I don't know if they would if they would knock down that kind of legislation. But uh, I look, there's there's no. There's no pathway right now to bring back Roe. There's no legal pathway. And right now there's no legislative pathway. So I but what I do see, especially for the Democrats is a lot of ground to code to to care about women's health in a way that is not 
restoring Roe. And, and if, you know, if you're, if you're spending your time on the border and you're spending your time on foreign aid, which look, I don't know how many Democrats are going to go to the polls and vote for Ukraine in November. I know it's going to be less than the amount that will go to vote for women's health. Uh, and if, if you're, you know, if you're going to spend all this time and messaging to talk about anything legislatively, some kind of federal guarantee for women to have access to uh, uh, abortion in the case of rape, incest, and health of the mother, even if it has no shot of passing, to make that the national conversation is extraordinarily helpful. At least it demonstrates that there is some grasp of this issue that women are dealing with right now, not wait till November vote and then vote, remember to vote in two years. Like, but right now. And also like you, you, you have the Senate use that fact, you know, try and try like use the bully pulpit of both Biden's presidency, but also you have the Senate. Make Republicans <laughs> vote against some things. Yeah, this is this is the thing Rick, that you Rick do. Had on the record saying that you know uh, rape victims have to carry their baby to term. Please, there we go. Even, I, even see, that's only that's the thing that I don't make Mitch McConnell have to spend fifty million dollars in Texas that he would rather spend in Ohio. Do we exactly? Yeah, that's that's the that's that's what I. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, speaking of other things that I don't know, well, let, let's get out on this and it should be a pretty short conversation. When does Nikki Haley drop out? Like, like what else do we need to be looking at here for, for, for Nikki Haley to drop out? Because at this point, if you actually want to look at who other than Joe Biden is getting the most amount of money from democratic donors, it's Nikki Haley. Uh, uh, so, so she might be somebody that should be on the short list to replace Joe Biden on the democratic ticket. But I got to imagine that's the only reason why she's still in this, but she's, she's looking, I mean, look, the, the most recent CBS news poll out of uh, South Carolina is a 35 point loss in her home state. Like like w- what level of humiliation does this woman need to endure before she t- walks off the stage? So the, so one, I, she kind of got saved by Nevada being, you know, a, a stupid like fake thing where like she wasn't really running against Trump. Saved? She lost to none of these candidates. Yeah, it's humiliating. But, yeah, but because she wasn't running on the same ballot, no one was paying attention. I mean, I think it became more of an issue. That, I, I don't. I made the argument. I was out in Nevada, total ghost town. No ads. No events. Absolute. Uh, 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 you know, non-event in terms of any kind of uh, uh, caucus or primary. And let me just say this. Nevada, shout out to John Ralston, shout out to the ghost of Harry Reid. They don't want to be an early primary state. Stop trying to make them an early primary state. <laughs> they don't care. Clark County, it is, a, it is a small town. It's a factory town for hospitality. They don't like putting up yard signs. They don't like getting out there and, and going to events. They got stuff to do. Just stop trying to make it happen. They don't want it to happen. It's not going to be Iowa. It's not going to be New Hampshire. But moving on, I thought she could have, Nikki, could have made that a win. She could have won against nobody and said, look, I won. A win's a win. And in a winless campaign, a win would be nice. She lost. She made her only win into a loss. And now she's going to go into this and it's going to be an absolute humiliation. So 
the problem is that you can't like the moment you decide a 10 point loss in new hampshire is good enough to win going (laughs) yeah you have to like you have to keep going to south carolina like yeah and now the answer to this is that at some point you you can say whatever you want the night of but like she basically had like a 72 hour window to do the desantis which is yes like yeah you say whatever you want you say you punch your ticket you look at the polls you realize you don't have a future and you save yourself some embarrassment she didn't do it yeah so at this point she has to go to south carolina i mean i assume that when she gets a blood out in south carolina she's done right she better she's be got enough money state. to be in super tuesday so i mean I, I i guess the argument would be if she's like well it's all about the delegates well then i guess you wait until you get blown out in texas and california because at that point the delegate argument will be done as soon as she gets blown out in those two states and that's on super tuesday she's not going to make her way back from that right but the, i mean like there's there's no the mathematical most- argument like there's no argument now right as we speak there's no argument now but there was no argument the second that she didn't win new hampshire exactly exactly and that's why i was shocked that she stayed in you know but i I think i forget whether it was on a stream or on the podcast i was joking because she was like well i have some news for everybody uh new hampshire is the first in the nation not the last in the nation i figured she's just gonna roll out you know that for each state she loses like you know this is not it's the first in the south but it's not in the east west or north like and she's just gonna keep going as she loses so so we we do have to say she is not the most embarrassing person currently clinging on to a noho presidential bid Um, okay who's that dean phillips what are you doing buddy (laughs) you lost to marianne you lost to marianne how do you she lose lost, to yeah. her how do you lose yeah. to like crystal healing lady you are yeah. a sitting congressman dude how yeah. do you do this yeah you know and i i think dean who i saw live it's a nice enough guy he's he's he was a good earnest he's he's kind of running a Ted Lasso, we can all do this. What if we were nice kind of campaign? The problem is, is that he was the only dude to, to raise his hand in, you know, as we are now seeing behind the scenes, a very popular conversation as to whether or not Joe Biden should be the nominee. He was the only dude who wound up stepping forward. He gets the full blunt of the venom and invective from the democratic machine uh, but yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a wrap for him. He, the problem is he's rich, right? So he's, he's getting soaked by, uh, by, by campaign machinery. Yeah. And I think, I think part of it's that he just wants to go back to being a rich guy. I think he's a sick of Congress and he's using this. Um, I, I mean, we always, we always said that like, you know, he, he was running a weird campaign because he was explicitly trying not to win the nomination himself, but he was explicitly trying to create a nomination. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's just very funny to see someone be that explicit about what they're trying to do in a campaign. Um, but no, like, dude, you gotta, yeah, yeah, you gotta, well, yeah, he, I was mean, looking, I he was looking, he was looking to, to embarrass. Like 17%. 
and go out, yeah. I think, slightly less embarrassingly, but. He was he was looking to embarrass Joe Biden in New Hampshire, and and it was because the Biden uh, team made their own mess in New Hampshire with trying to reorder the uh, the the primary schedule, and so they had to do the the write in stuff. But you couldn't do it, you couldn't do it in New Hampshire. Turns out Joe Biden is is a popular uh, uh, president there, or at least the, the the nominee more than you were, and that's that's just that's just it. So. Yeah, I mean, at least there is an, uh, a, a Don Quixote element to Dean Phillips that I find a little bit more endearing than Nikki Haley, who is always such a political operator that I just, I guess that's what unsettles me about Nikki Haley is that she is to a fault craven politically. So I guess I just can't square where she goes from here. Well, it's, I also it's don't just understand like, why she's like, you know, I, I don't, honestly I don't even know what the controversy was because I've tapped out of paying attention to that race. But I guess Donald Trump said something mean about her husband's war service record or something. No, he just asked, where's her husband? Oh. Where's her husband? That's uh, OK. So it was even less. It was even yeah. more a fake attempt to gin up something. OK, cool. But like, yeah, because then, then her answer was, well, he's serving and then it gets. You know, especially on on, you know, the right wing circles, it's whether or not she cheated on her husband while he was deployed and blah, blah, blah. So but like, OK, cool. So you're attacking him for this. OK, so you're just going to like you're, you're you, you know that you're endorsing him in like less than a month. Right. Like you do understand that, like within the next six weeks, you will be endorsing Donald Trump. Maybe think about that when you're planning your I campaign. mean, it's is she, though, I, I guess, like. But she's is so it in play? What's the alternative? Is Nikki Haley DNC night one speaker? Is it oh, out of play? There's no way Nikki Haley has enough principles to do that. Well, I mean, I think they're exactly the opposite. <laughs> I think I think she has a, a, a lot of flexible principles. Then it, it's exactly why she would do that. Donald Trump is an existential threat to America. Yeah, but I know you do that. You I work with the 2028 Republican nominee. I I, I think. This is what vexes me about her because you would think, yeah, you want to know what? Hang it up, reload. Congratulations. You were the not too hot, not too cold porridge of Donald Trump alternatives in a cycle when the Republican electorate wanted Donald Trump. That was that. Congratulations. You lasted to the end. Uh, Good for you. Hang it up. Run in 28. But I think she's she's materially damaging her ability to do that now, especially since, you know, her her campaign is pretty much bankrolled by Democratic donors at this point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe she maybe she tries to primary or uh, maybe she tries to run for Senate if slash when Lindsey Graham decides to retire. Like, I don't know what she's doing. Lindsey Graham, who, by the way, backed down on foreign aid this morning or or last night said that, that, that foreign aid should be loans. Like Donald Trump said at a, at a campaign speech over the weekend, which Jesus I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't know that anybody could get between Lindsey Graham and foreign aid. That's usually his favorite thing. Well, like he knows why that's a terrible idea too, because <laughs> like the entire reason for the American foreign aid budget is so that they don't go and take the money from China. So yeah. he knows it's a terrible idea. What is he doing? 
He just refuses. I think he just refuses to stop debasing himself for Trump. Like, well, when is when is he back up? Well, no, he just won re-election, right? He's up in twenty. He's up in twenty six. But everyone think everyone I've talked to thinks he's retiring. Oh, really? Yeah, he's not going to run again. Twenty. Uh, that, that, that 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 that's what I've heard. Obviously, things could change. I mean, but yeah. By the way, do we is Bernie going to run? When is he up? Now. Now. I mean, I would assume so. He hasn't announced I him. And I think it's him and cinema are like the two people who haven't announced. Do you think she runs? Oh, God, no. She raised like less than a million dollars last quarter. Yeah, it seems like she's ready to just, you know, go run a winery in Sonoma. She's going to she's going to she's going to go consult for like four K Street things and make like 12 million dollars. Because of all the yeah. tax breaks that she kept in for them. It's going to be, she's going to live her best life and she's going to be really sanctimonious and give two interviews a year. And every resist mom who donated to her in 2018 is going to want to throw <laughs> things on their television. It's going to be great. I, I forget who I was talking to, but that feels like throw the, throw, throw, throw the bank at her. If you're, if you're Fox news oh, to get like the, 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 the token, uh, uh, Democrat or, you know, liberal who hates Democrats. Cause she'll, she'll throw, she'll throw bombs. Oh God. That'll be so fun. Oh, please yeah. let her do that. Oh God. That would be, that would be, I think that would be good television. Imagine her on the five, you know, <laughs> her next to Jesse waters and judge Janine. Oh, that'd be amazing. Wearing a crazy hat. Oh man. It'd be great TV. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Think of the outfits. Would be <laughs> Just every part of it. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, all right, uh, we did Nagali, we did the Senate. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, anything else that uh, that that you've seen? Did I mean, you, this this will already be done by the time that uh, the the episode comes out. But uh, uh, who do you have in New York three? Uh, Democrats. I don't. I don't feel Swazi. like super strong, but like, I don't know, Dems by like five. The fact that there's a snowstorm on election day is making me feel a little more confident in that but yeah like you know they're running they're running the former incumbent you know like long island's not super favorable terrain these days but you know there'll be enough if if it's not swazi is it i mean because this also if swazi wins, it'll be, his name there's a reason i didn't say it because i've never actually heard the name pronounced mazzy and swazi rhyme that that's how i have i have okay. understood it mazzy and swazi yeah uh if, no, I know. I, I think wins, they somebody else. No, I don't think they would be winning right now. Yeah, if Swazi wins, it'll be whatever. If the Republicans win that seat again, the, I mean, like we're we're gonna be the the bed will be even more wet than it is right now for the Democrats. <laughs> like this will be. Oh my God, do we need to reorient Biden's entire campaign around the border? Yeah, especially given you know this is you know working you know, this is a working class seat and. Uh, you know, the Democratic, you know, either argument or copium, take your pick based on your preferences is, hey, at least the election, the actual election results are good for us, even if these damn yeah. polls aren't. Well, that argument yeah. might fall apart here if they lose tonight. I, I get I don't think they will, but. um, you know, Yeah, I mean, we'll every every baseline historical trend, which is like when somebody gets kicked out of Congress. It's usually like a nine point punishment for the party that got kicked out an incumbent. The former incumbent is running known quantity. The only question is this campaign has been largely fought 
about the border, which is a question as to why Swazi wanted to run so much stuff about crime and the border, but it is a purplish seat. That element of Long Island is uh, more conservative than other parts of the New York City metropolitan area. So we'll see. Yeah. Thanks for having I me mean, on. Uh, Sa- Sa- Santos won uh, with uh, apparently no money because he spent yeah, it all he on won shoes. like seven and a half. Yeah, but then again, he had he had the Lee Zeldin coattails, which were like he did. the most effective yeah. coattails anywhere in the country. Uh, all right. Uh, Evan, where can people find you? Uh, political writing at scrimshawnscripted.substack.com. Political betting NFL, although that's over NHL. It's over. Basketball. I'm going to try and do F1 content uh, for the lines.com uh, Scrimshaw show. Uh, follow that on Twitter at Scrimshaw underscore show. Uh, I'm recording two episodes this week, one for this week, one for next week. This week's politics next week is a formula one season preview. Cause I am a gauche uh, coastal elite who has gotten really, really into F1, but cannot tolerate NASCAR. Very on brand, very on brand. All right, Scrim. Thanks so much. And that wraps it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank our boy Scrimshaw, you can do so. Letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. You can find us on social media. TikTok, Justin R. Young. Instagram, Justin R. Young. Our YouTube is politics, politics, politics. Our X is px3 tweets for the show and justin r young for me you can send me any email that you would like the young american at gmail.com catch me live on twitch px3 uh sorry px3 tweets for the show justin r young for me px3live.com that's the twitch i'm on mondays wednesdays and fridays when i'm not sick you can share this podcast with your friends family and clergy px3podcast.com you can hit me with a one-time donation with anything that you think is worthy of the show that we create here. PayPal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20. Cash app is px3cash. And you can send anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Someone sent me a physical check for 20 bucks. Thank you. You love to get a physical check for 20 bucks in the mail. Always makes me so happy. That is Post Office Box 153184. Austin, Texas, 78715. Now, there's only one place that you can get our bonus content, and that is our Patreon. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Our $3 tier gets two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks on the Titanic. $10 tier. Sam, John, Niemeister, Edwin, Brian and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Chucker, Sarah Jeannie, Spider, Matthew, Dr. G, Dustin, Brad, D Laser, Nick, just another pilot, middle aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Jen, Halo, D Really, Andrew, Lisa, Fat Tony's PJs from New York, Devon, the CFP, Gloria, my mom. Gray Zone, Robert, J. Van Ord, Neil, Yeo Pinball Shop, John, TP4 Bongo, Neil, his nerdiness, Charles, 
Audrey Stoll, Adler, Spot, Darren, Idris Arzlanian, Berkeley, Steven, Nomadic, Terran, Molly's Delightful Demeter, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, and Paul. You want your name at the end of this show? Well, guys, only one place to do it. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. On our next edition of the show, we bring you into the world of super PACs from somebody who knows them very well because he has helped organize and fund them. Yes, a ground eye view, ground eye, ground zero. We're going to get a good conversation about Democratic super PACs on the next show. And you're going to like it. I guarantee it. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.